I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Stand by for a brand new episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode, I had to check, 436 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, slash show, slash whatever you want to call us. This is recorded live on Sunday, February 14th, 2021. It is our first made-up corporate holiday of the year, so happy Valentine's Day. I don't know, I'm Chris, joining me today. Only one of my normal co-hosts. We'll get to Willie's absence here in a second, but we do have Mr. Anthony Bach. I are here. Happy Valentine's Day, Jen. That's my baby. And she's here. I already told her happy Valentine's Day this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that works out appropriately then. Yes. So, uh, yes, it is Valentine's Day. So if you do celebrate the holiday, go have fun. Uh, Don't forget, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So going to a restaurant for Valentine's Day this year. Might not be your best move. Just make something fancy or something different at home or order a friggin' pizza. Like I saw Papa John's is doing heart-shaped pizzas. Get a heart pizza. We actually did have pizza last night. We went full carbs and watched some shows and movies. It was nice. We had a pizza. It was exciting. <laughs> I like watching robots destroy. So we did mention Willie's not going to be here. Don't worry. He sort of hinted at the fact last week that he was probably going to be out this week. He had some other plans. And he did kind of <laughs> let us know last night that he'd been in a car accident. But he is fine. So you can send your well wishes to him, though, on Twitter, at South Porky, if you want. Be like, hey, glad <laughs> to hear you're all right after getting into a minor fender bender or whatever. Said his car had a little bit of a dent in the bumper, but he wasn't suffering any whiplash or anything like that. But if you want to send him some positive thoughts and vibes, at South Porky on Twitter, I'm sure he would enjoy them whenever he gets done with whatever he's doing today. I'm sure he's having some kind of fun because the snowstorm hasn't hit him yet. I think it's coming to us, at least here in the northeastern part of the country to start. I don't know. I don't really go anywhere anymore. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy. I mean, like, I've been complaining, like, we used to get snow starting, like, in October in Idaho. Like, there were years where it would snow during Halloween. So kids would be out wearing a full, like, parka over their costume because it was so fucking cold when I was in, like, junior high and high school. That's how it was when I lived in Colorado. Yeah, and then it would snow until March. And now it's the middle of February. We just got the first snow of the year, but it's been snowing for two days. So it's, it's nice now. Like, I literally look outside. It's, like, straight up winter wonderland. There's a foot of snow on top of the, like the the parking structure above my car. Like yeah. it, it looks pretty outside. <laughs> last weekend we had snow and it was like Saturday through Monday and we got like four and a half five inch. And then last night it was raining, so it's turned everything into a soupy mess. Just in time for us to get uh, more snow dropped on us tonight. So all of that stuff that melted and is sitting in the road will freeze up. And I went, huh. Well, I guess it's good that A, tomorrow is technically a federal holiday, so I don't have to work. B, even if I did, I just work out of my basement now, so I don't have to drive 45 minutes down the road on the interstate. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, this has made it a really great when we have that bad weather. Though. I just kind of look outside, and before in the past, it was like, do I want to leave early to try and get ahead of the rush? Do I want to leave late until they've cleaned the roads? Now I just go, sure looks shitty out there. I'm not going out. I go down to my basement. That's the mature way to do things. Just go, ha ha, sucks yeah. to you all. Tell them it's okay, I guess. Yeah, it definitely beats driving across town to sling a bunch of boxes and then driving back across town when you're fucking tired. I'll give you that. <laughs> That's true. But hey, being employed beats not being employed. So there is that. That's how you can afford fun things like video games and Legos. And, and, wait, no. And salty sailor Grogu's. And Grogu. Things yeah. That come out. <laughs> 
<laughs> so like i said we don't have willie this week that's fine uh but speaking of <laughs> willie we do want to do another round of unprotected advice here soon so if you guys have any suggestions on things you'd like to see us tackle for unprotected advice you can send them to me chris at gunnageek.com is the email address your best bet though would probably be to tweet them myself at the chris farrell or at the ATGN podcast Twitter account, which is at and podcast. And we'll get them there. I'll put them in a show notes doc and we'll queue up about three or four of them to try and do another round of unprotected device. And really, honestly, the weirder these things are, the better. So the find better. something super weird or have something super weird that you need some <coughs> expert <coughs> expert advice. on. That was a stage cough, by the way, guys. So that's not mm-hmm. getting edited out. Bring, bring us something that involves goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, weirder oh, the better. Man. Oh yeah, the weirder the better. I don't want to know. Okay, now I'm in curious where this will go. So maybe we'll mm-hmm. have something involving gold. How do I feed my goldfish the proper amount? Of- we'll ask Willie an unprotected advice. There you go. He's gonna be an expert. That he is. That he is. We got a comment in the chat. We got something that might be fun. So send it to me, or <laughs> send it to me on Twitter, or email, or whatnot, or put it on the Discord. Yeah, just put it. That's the other thing I forgot. You can go to geeks. Oh, gunnageek.com slash discord and that's our discord we have an all things good and nerdy channel there you can also drop those unprotected advices in discord as well yes you can i'm glad i thought of that sometimes inspiration strikes <laughs> it doing, do it do it do i'm doing pretty good for only having half a cup of coffee so far i just i just poured my second cup yeah i was gonna thank, thank you dirk manning and mystery for the coffee cup I was going to drink coffee and read my book this morning, but instead I logged on to Reddit and saw I had a bunch of stuff in my moderator's queue. I went, oh, shit, ah. and then spent two hours arguing because oh, that lovely. is the nature of the Internet is I argue with people. I mean, that's what the Internet for is, yeah. you know, arguing and porn. I mean, yeah. those are basically the two main categories. I like it when people don't understand. <laughs> you deleted my post. Why? I'm like, because you broke. Because you violated the rules. <laughs> well, I don't understand how this is a breaking of the rules. Well, I cited the bro- the rule breaking when I removed your post. <laughs> Reddit moderation is a nightmare sometimes, but. That like, I told me. you why you did it, stupid. I, I will say stupid. this. Moderating a uh, gaming subreddit. Boy, you see some weird shit because I'm a moderator on one of the Xbox subreddits Mm. and you see some weird stuff and people, what is it we call it? Concern trolling. I'm concerned about such and such was really just an excuse to shit all over something the console does. Like, nope, this goes away. No, I was just concerned. No, you weren't. You were setting things up for trolling. Go away. (laughs) Yeah, you're just being a turd. I don't have the time (laughs) or energy to deal with you today. Goodbye. It's fascinating. Come on, pen work. I did learn about another game that might be the Among Us replacement that I didn't know had been out for a while, but it's only available on PC and Xbox right now, not mobile. So I don't Mm. We can talk about that later in the game. I haven't had a chance to try it, but they did put it on Xbox Game Pass for PC for uh, Xbox. So I'm going to give it a try. It sounds intriguing. That being said, though, I guess we should start things off here. We've we've eaten up some... uh, pre-show indeed show intro stuff and it's now just, we've talked about yeah we got four or five extra things to talk about so might as well get the news done yeah let's roll into the news and then we'll talk about some live the atg and studios on uh, the internet it's the news of the week Welcome to the News of the Week. It's that part of the show where we run down in our minds what is some of the most interesting and or nerdy news to have popped up here in the past week or so and share with you guys who are watching the live show or listening to it at a later 
update. Should we start with what was literally breaking minutes before we started the show so we can get all the hate mail out of the way? Uh, if you want, go for it. Let's start with that. So uh, as we record this on Sunday, February 14th at 11.30, it is now Eastern time, about 11 a.m. or so, they dropped the uh, trailer for the Zack Snyder cut of the Just. I know this is what everyone wants us to talk about. Well, so. I, I do I do <laughs> need a clarification at the moment. Is it a 19-hour miniseries or is it a six-hour movie again? I can't remember which one they decided on last time. I think they pivoted it back to being a four-hour movie after saying it was going to be a four-hour miniseries split into one hour installments but it doesn't come out for another what like month or something like that so they may change their mind six months. march 18th according to at snyder cut promoted the tweet that was promoted by hbo max so i'm assuming that's the official tweet that has yeah. snyder introducing it and it has uh the video attached to it so yeah that says march 18th so they dropped that trailer today and uh if you go back through the long back history of the show over 450 episodes at this point almost 450 times you'll realize that i've never really particularly cared for Zack snyder on super i didn't think his superman was very good because it gets the character i didn't really care much not. for batman v super although i admired the look of batman and some of the things he did with it and i didn't really think i was going to care for his justice league now we didn't get a chance to see it because because tragic things happened. Joss took over and other things came out of that, which we don't do right now. So we have the trailer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have the trailer for his four hour installment of Justice League. This is what the internet had whined about wanting. One aspect of the last two years and Warner oh. Brothers caved and gave it. I, I still just look at it and go, well, it looks pretty. But he still doesn't understand how to handle these characters. The very, very loud minority. Well, I mean. The upshot being, if you get undead black suit Superman, that may actually fit with the way he thinks about Superman. Well, like, I mean, it, so we get that look at undead, well, not undead, but black suit Superman yeah. in the trailer at the very end. And he's angry, glaring, and heat vision blasting, which isn't Superman. No, but that is Zack Snyder's Superman. Right. So it's the one time it might kind of fit is I if guess. you let him do the black suit Superman when he woke up from the coma and didn't really know who he was. Yeah, I So guess. during I that know. period of time in the comics where he had the black suit on and didn't remember Clark and was basically a jackass, that kind of is how Zack Snyder has always portrayed Superman. So that kind of worked. Like, I'll give yeah. him that much. Like that's yeah, just yeah. He should know. He should have never been allowed to touch Superman in the blue suit because he doesn't understand hope. He doesn't right. fucking understand hope as a director or a storyteller. So I mean, I'll probably watch this at some point in time. It's on HBO Max, which I get because it's part of my cell phone. I'm not one of those folks like, oh my god, I have to see this immediately. I watched the trailer and I went, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay. Let's see. I paid for HBO Max for January so I could watch Wonder Woman and then catch up on all of Silicon Valley and I watched all of Ballers and I watched all of Watchmen TV show and like six other shows. Like I've watched a ton. I watched all of Doom Patrol. I watched all of Titans. I've watched fucking tons of shit. So I got way more than my $15. And then like I still have it for this month. And so like we just watched another movie last night on it. Like, you know, I'm actually getting stuff out of it. And I figure for March, if I keep it for the 15 bucks, then I'm paying $15 for Kong versus Godzilla. There and I go. will watch Justice League for free because I'm not paying for Justice League. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is just me and it very well could be. I'm just kind of tired of the whole overly rot, grim, dark. I well, mean, dude. haven't we proven that it doesn't all have to be that way? It makes sense if you do Batman that way to an extent, because that's the way the character. But you can't necessarily take that and apply it to here or out there and have it the blanket way to do. Th maybe I'm. Just You've never met a DC executive that agrees yeah. with that statement. There is not a one because, yeah, all these are. Wait, Nolan's Batman was dark and gritty and it worked. Every character should be dark and gritty. Like, 
yeah, they literally got that stuck in their fucking head. And whoever the executives are at DC that makes those decisions that puts the foot down decided that they can't do anything else unless they try to make it dark and gritty. But they didn't. They've already learned that lesson. We had Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 84. We had Shazam. Uh, Wonder Woman in World War One. I. I would call that dark and gritty Wonder Woman. Yeah, but it sort of worked, though, because it's all about hope and stuff. Like I didn't say that. it was bad. So, I didn't say it was bad, but it was dark and gritty Wonder and, and, Woman. You know, no, the only had... one that really isn't dark and gritty is Shazam. And still the villain was fairly fucking dark for a Shazam story. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe part of my distaste on this also is the the new head of Warner Brothers DC Pictures or whatever the hell they're calling it now, who God knows if he'll still be there six months from now because of all the other crap that's going on, has already basically said, yeah, this is a road to nowhere. We're putting this out, but we aren't doing any more with the Zack Snyder universe of characters really they're not going yeah. to continue the story you get in Zack snyder's just presumably to set up dark side it's not you're not going to get anything else it's a one and done and now i know there's a bunch of people going oh well they said we'd never get the snyder cut then we'll get something else well yeah you got the snyder cut because they tried to spin it as oh we're just going to finish the footage that was there and then they gave him what 50 million for special effects and stuff like that but it's yeah, still then he a, basically went off and filmed another film. Yeah, it's still a drop in the bucket <laughs> compared to saying, hey, we're going to give you a whole other movie. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'm not. I just yeah. I, I don't necessarily care for his take on the characters. I think Zack Snyder makes gorgeous looking movies like the way he yeah. sets up backdrops and the way he sets up his scenes. They're all really good. He's always made pretty movie, but I can't really tell you a Zack Snyder movie that I've walked away and be like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. I bought into the 300 hype for a long time until I realized, oh, wait. They basically just translated almost perfectly what was on the comic book page onto That's the screen. That's why it was awesome. That's why it was awesome. Yeah, because Zack Snyder didn't rewrite anything. Zack Snyder didn't change the story. Zack Snyder took Frank Miller's story and put the panels on screen and made them gorgeous and in live action. That's why the story of 300 is great. Zack Snyder didn't write it. I mean, it, <laughs> everything. But a movie his Dawn is, of the Dead is amazing. A movie that is not made necessarily for everyone. I understand that. I'm not necessarily going to like everything that comes out and Caraton on this. I'm really happy for those folks that are legitimately excited for it. That's great. But at the same time, I think they also need to understand that if someone's apathetic about it, that doesn't mean you need to go and destroy them online because that's what we've seen with a bunch. We talked about it last week. The people like, we need to list out all the critics who didn't like the Zack Snyder stuff so that we can blacklist them and tweet at them and stuff like that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what the hell is this? Just let people enjoy things or let people not enjoy things. While I don't care about this movie necessarily, it's not like I'm going to go and start preaching on my Twitter uh, soapbox, like, don't watch the Snyder Cut, don't watch it. If you want to watch it, that's great. I I will say this, and maybe this is my own bias coming into play. This gives me a much greater appreciation for Kevin Feige all the more because it's been constant changing tones of Marvel movies that work. And I think we talked about on this show, like, His one thing he makes everyone do before they go and work on a Marvel Studios film as a director or something like that is watch Richard Donner's Superman from 1970, what is eight or nine? Yeah, 78. 78. The year I was born is the year we believed a man could fly. Yeah, and because in his own words or paraphrasing his own words, it's like the perfect superhero movie. Yep, it is the quintessential superhero movie. And the saddest fucking thing in the world is how has someone at DC not made that decision that we all sit down and watch Superman and then go work on our project? It's their fucking movie. Like, (laughs) the idea that Faggy does it and, like, yeah, and give us a 23-movie series that's designed just like comics. It's like, oh, can I go watch Endgame if I haven't seen the other 22 films? Not really. It's not fucking for you. It's for the people that watch the other 22 films. Just like comics, if there's a big summer crossover, if you buy the sixth issue of the miniseries, 
you're not going to know what the fuck's going on. Because that sixth issue wasn't written for the person that just walks in the store and buys the sixth issue. It's written for the person that bought all the trades, all the crossovers, and the first five issues of the miniseries. But yeah, along the way, they're like, oh no, we're going to do a heist movie, but it's just going to be Ant-Man. And we're going to do a war or a spy thriller, but that's going to be Captain America Winter Soldier. Like, we're not going to just make superhero movies. They made a whole bunch of different types of movies and just made them, you know, with superheroes in them. Which made it, yeah, amazing storytelling. And where we've gotten, what, like nine DC films now, roughly three of them are kind of, four or five of them are kind of connected. It's in no way a connected universe the way Marvel did it. I will give them credit in this regard. They've pretty much decided that trying to follow that same work. So they're going to tell stories that might be loosely connected. See, that's funny because I'm pretty sure DC has like 80 years of 200 million stories in a connected universe that work. Time Warner So I know they've that. done it. They just don't know how to do it in a fucking movie version. <laughs> and to be fair, there's not many people that do. I mean, remember, let, let's step back to 2008 when they announced Iron Man and it was going to be this the beginning uh, of a connected universe. Everyone's like, fuck, pardon my language. How are they going to do that? This doesn't necessarily, what you do in comics doesn't necessarily translate well, to film. And also, at the time, C-list character Iron Man. Yeah. Iron Man wasn't even on the fucking Avengers right. when that movie came because out. Because they didn't have rights to things like the X-Men and Spider-Man yeah. and stuff like that. You could argue now that many of the characters in the MCU are worth more than those Fox X-Men characters were near the end of their run. That's not to say oh, yeah. that they won't be going forward, because Wolverine's always going to be worth money and stuff like that. But... I- they have, and this is my bias bleeding through. I will fully admit I prefer the Marvel movies to the DC, so maybe it is my own bias coming through. I just like the way they do things better, how they're not committed to always having to have this grim, dark, same film tones for everything. Like Zack Snyder makes pretty movies, but they all look, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. they all definitely look the same, but yeah, he can frame a shot better than anybody. Right. Fucking some of those scenes, uh, in, I mean, in Batman versus Superman, some of the scenes of Bruce Wayne like walking the grounds of Wayne Manor are just amazing. Like, they could be part of a fucking travel brochure. They're so fucking pretty. So so here's where my bias... But that doesn't make for a good story. (laughs) Where my bias comes in a little bit is you can go from something that is like, let's talk Infinity, which has very similar tones, like the way scenes are shot and set up, especially the battle with Thanos that you would see in the Zack Snyder kind of movies. And then you can go to something like Thor Ragnarok, which is straight out of Jack Kirby's sketchbook with bright colors and flashes of light, the different else you've seen. And you can watch that and be like, okay, it works still. I I love the fact that tone doesn't have to be the same through everyone that they play with different ass stuff i don't know i think that all falls down to kevin feige making the decision that i'm going to hand films off to people that have a passion for them i do not believe Zack snyder has a passion for superman i think Zack snyder likes to make movies like and i love some of the movies he's made i do not believe he yeah. has a even the slightest passion for the character of superman I think he likes to take his twist on those characters and be like, ha, look at me. Taika Waititi brought them an idea for Thor Ragnarok, and they're like, no, this guy has a story he wants to tell that's very unique, and he has some fucking passion for this project. Like, what he did with the Executioner and fucking Thor losing his hammer, his fucking, he made a haircut scene interesting in a movie. Like, come on. And then at the same time, we got, you know, we had what was going to be the Edgar Wright version of Ant-Man, that then became the Peyton Reed version of Ant-Man, and we got a heist film that had superheroes in it. And it was fantastic. And now he's getting a trilogy of them. Yeah, and now, yeah, he's getting more. So, like, yeah, the, over at, on the Marvel side, they find someone that has a passion for the character they want to do, and then they let them do that. Because I mean, look what James Gunn did with the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Nobody give a fuck well, about the Guardians of the fair, Galaxy. 
Look what Most he's going to do with the Suicide you. Squad. It True. looks like it's going yeah. to have that same kind of vibe of a passionate exactly. filmmaker that really cares about the topic, and it's just weird. Yeah, and he's talked about it. James Gunn talked about it. They brought him in for the original meeting, and they told him like who they wanted to give him, and he drove home after telling Marvel no because he didn't have a story to tell with the character. And because like all the people that are now fans of the Guardians of the Galaxy don't even know who the actual Guardians of the Galaxy are in the comic because the original Guardians are actually the characters that you meet at the end of the second Guardians movie. Like those were the Guardians of the Galaxy in the comic book. And they have almost no resemblance to what the characters were in the comic. And so when the Marvel offered him the Guardians... James Gunn told him no, because he didn't have a story. And they're like, that's fine. We don't want you to come in here and make a movie for us unless you have a story. And he literally was driving home and had the idea for the whole Rocket and Groot thing and figured out what he could do with Star-Lord. He's like, wait a second. this Here's the list of six characters that nobody gives a fuck about. And that's who I want. Because I know you will let me do whatever I want with those characters. And Marvel's like, fuck yeah. You got a good idea? Go nuts. Let's see what you got. And he wrote a script like in fucking like five days or some crazy yeah. shit so i need to yeah, step back had passion for it i need to step back a sec because i feel like i sort of took a shot that i wasn't intending to at Zack snyder when i was talking about he likes to put his own twist on things like ha 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 look i don't necessarily mean it as like an egocentric thing i think his kind of filmmaking is similar to ryan johnson in, ref- in regard to they want to subvert expectations so that's what he's yeah. trying to do with this and much like that was a problem for some people with the last jedi i think that's a problem for some folks with their superhero movie. is the subversion of expectation something that's not quite what you expect or what the back history would lend you to think is something they don't like it, which is as i'm talking this out loud i don't understand why i don't necessarily care for it as much for heroes but i really enjoyed the last jedi which is strange no i just like star wars but I don't know, it's fair. one of those things where there's there's a difference between making a change to a character because you're telling a good story and it works and making a change because you feel you need to make a change so that you can put your name on it the way yeah. they did the flash the way they did batman the way they did superman Almost all of those characters, the changes that you saw in Batman versus Superman didn't have fuck all to do with comic books. They were not pulled from any actual good storyline that they were referencing. And they just made the change to make the change. Why does Barry Allen have a fucking bat cave and why is he autistic? There's no version of the Flash that has ever existed in the 80 years of comics that is anything like the Ezra Miller Flash that we got, but they wanted to change him just because they wanted to change him, not for a reason. Yeah, I think that's a tough thing for a lot of folks because, and this isn't the right term to use, but I'm going to coin, I'm going to use it, is you have an imposter syndrome, not necessarily you feel like you don't fit in something, but you look at it and go, you're telling me this is Barry Allen, but this doesn't feel like Barry Allen. Who is this person? That's what I mean by this different expression or a different use of imposter yeah because yeah it's it's a, really he shows up in the justice league film and he's never saved anybody they have him on video when fucking bruce is looking at the files saving a a person in a gas station from being robbed like he'd already saved somebody but then the first thing he tells batman is i don't know what i'm doing i've never saved anybody i've never done battle who the fuck's it i've never done battle like that's like the worst line ever yeah like and yeah just i don't know the whole way they designed that character plus the garbage suit was just this is a flash well, armor covered in rubber bands. It doesn't it looks like help. crap. It doesn't help they tried to introduce <laughs> the Flash at a time when arguably the most watched superhero show on TV was probably yeah. The Flash with a very different take on Barry Allen from what they put in. Yeah, where they took Barry Allen from the comics, who is the most boring milk toast character, straight up milk toast, like straight yeah. from the like 60s. <laughs> He's a milk toast character. Barry Allen is boring as fuck. And they took a lot of the attributes of his nephew, Wally West, from the comics, and they let Grant Gustin use those attributes to make Wally, make the the the, bar, the Barry Allen version of his Flash interesting. 
So they took the most, the two best versions of the Flash. They kind of mixed them into one character. The same way fucking Oliver Queen on the CW is basically Bruce Wayne. Like he fucking fought Ra's al Ghul to take over the, as the demon's head. Like they told, they told like nineteen different Batman yeah. stories, but they, they told sure him did. with Oliver Queen. Like you know, they took a whole lot of Batman and shoved it in the the show Arrow and made Oliver Queen much more interesting than a lot of times he was in the comics. They did the same thing with Barry Allen. Difference being both of those versions, it's all shit from the comics. It's literally like, yeah, there's a boring version of the Flash and there's a funny version of the Flash that was, you know, Wally West. We kind of mix those two together and let Barry have a little more of, you know, an actual fucking personality on the TV show because Grant Gustin's a great actor. And then what you ended up getting was a fantastic show where people loved the character and like, and you know, and yeah, and they could build on it because yeah, that, and if anything, it makes it worse. Because they've proven they can do continuity-based storytelling with DC superheroes. They can just only do it on the CW. Yeah, so you kind of have the same problem between Marvel and Marvel and DC have a similar problem, which is while they have television properties, and it's kind of worse in Marvel's case, they say they're linked, but they kind of ignore them. And it's the same case with DC side houses. They're not linked at all until sort of they link in crisis slightly, but they're they're not really taking lessons learned and applying it to the movies. I think you have a bigger problem with the Marvel side of the house, which is they halfway through agents of shields run. They kind of just pushed it into a corner and said, sure. It's happening in the same world, but we're not really going to cause much to impact the movies at all, which yeah, we're seeing I, the opposite of with the Disney plus series. Now, presumably, I think, I think the difference there though, is that Marvel didn't double down and go hire a new Nick Fury and a new captain Marvel and a new, captain america and put them on agents of shield they didn't yeah. go and recast and do different versions of the same characters and then say oh yeah they're still connected but there's two different people playing this character well and there was competing interest there like when you start reading some of the stuff that happened like kevin feige controlled the movies but someone else controlled the television and said they wanted yeah. to do a tv show set in the movie world so then it was yeah, so kind I think of jeff I think Jeff Loeb had full control for most of the time before Kevin Feige got control of everything. Yeah, and that's all consolidated under Kevin Feige now, hence why you have this different vision, no pun intended, with WandaVision (laughs) and Captain America, excuse me, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and the other series coming forward, and how they're presumably going to be much more closely linked to what we see in the movie. Oh, and and the new buddy cop trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, oh my god, I'm so excited for that show. Yeah, I guess we should sort of move on. Let's let's close out. If you want to talk about comic book references, you want to talk about stupid Easter eggs, we are getting fucking Baron Zemo in a purple sock on his head. Right. How the fuck did they pull that off? So, One so of we'll, the goofiest looking characters of all time, they brought it to the screen. So we'll, yeah. we'll close out the Zack Snyder cut Justice League stuff by saying, look, if you're excited for it, that's great. Really happy for you. I hope it lives up to being exactly what you want it to be. But at the same time, and this applies to everyone. People who don't care also need to understand that people are really excited about it. Just let people like what they like. It's one thing to have an opinion, to voice your opinion, like, I don't like it, and here's why, or I like it, and here's why. But don't give other people crap because they are or aren't excited for it. Just let them enjoy or hate as they feel. There's no need to go on, like, Twitter rampage to be like, oh, you hate the Snyder Cut? Well, I love it, and here's the 10,000 reasons why and why you're a jackass. Because we're seeing a lot of that stuff already, and we just don't need that. There's more important things than arguing about a comic book movie as whether you like it or not. Very true. I'm trying to remember... Cause what it fucking uh Dark Side's fucking lapdog, what's his name? Uh, the one they actually fought in Justice. Oh god, I just I knew it before this and then I'm yeah. blanking on it. But like the 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 changes to his armor in that one scene in the trailer, like he actually looks way better. Yeah. Like it looks like, oh, we finally finished the last four passes of well, CGI that we were supposed to do before that movie came out. 
Yeah, we we remembered to finish it now. He Oops. also he also looks like he's straight out of a '90s comic book too. <laughs> well, I mean that's true as well. But I mean, before he looked like he was out of a '90s comic book and garbage. Yeah. Fair. Now at least, yeah, he looks like a straight. Yeah, he's like a full on shiny ass Rob Liefeld villain. But at least it looks like they finished the render before they fin- before they finalized the cut of the movie this time. Fair, fair. Because before, it didn't look like they even finished it. It looked like it was a half-done transfer. So we did get the trailer for that, and Anthony mentioned a little bit. We did get the trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I thought it was smart what they did, which is they showed 30 seconds of it during the Super Bowl spot and said, if you want to see more, go watch it on YouTube. And I was like, that's how you save yourself a bunch of money. Yeah, this saved themselves, what, like $2.5 million or something right there, probably. probably. I mean, it wasn't airing on ABC or ESPN or anything like that. So Disney was like, "Uh uh-uh, we're saving that money for ourselves. And I'm sure it had ridiculous numbers of views. The internet was, it was trending, I think, after it came out because a lot of people went and watched. Yeah, like you said, this looks like a buddy cop movie or a buddy cop show set in the MCU. It feels like Lethal Weapon-ish almost, for lack of a better A little term. bit, yeah. Well, or, original good Lethal Weapon, not yeah, yeah. Fox TV show yeah, Lethal Weapon. Sorry, let me paraphrase. Danny Glover, <laughs> Mel Gibson kind of Lethal Weapon. There you go. Way before the sugar tits days. Yeah, It looks like fun, and they didn't give much away in the trailer as to what's going to happen. We got the cool moment of Baron Zemo saying that superheroes, his superhero rant with exist. the purple mask, and there's a lot of fan theories as to how Zemo's free. Some people say, did he get blipped, and then when he was brought back, he could just easily escape, or were the people guarding him blipped, and he was then able to escape in the confusion, no. things like that. I'm really curious to see what happens there. It's going to be fun to see how he plans to continue trying to take down the Avengers, or I guess superheroes Apparently in all heroes, yeah. Yeah, because I'm not well, sure if we actually have Avengers right now. Yeah, because I mean... The Avengers don't... were kind of disbanded after the snap. Then they kind of yeah. reformed an endgame, and the compound was destroyed. So I don't know yeah. if there is actually an Avengers team. Because the only thing we've technically seen past Endgame is Far From Home. And WandaVision. So we know... Well, and WandaVision now. So yeah, so we know, like, you know, there's S.W.O.R.D. dealing with the crisis in New Jersey. And we know that Parker went across the pond, blew up part of London, came back, and New York is still there. So, like, we know New York mm-hmm. exists. But then other than that, we know Nick Fury's off-planet, and we know there's scrolls running around doing his work for him. But that's really all we know about the post-Endgame MCU like world right and we don't know any the the status of any of the superheroes because remember in far from yeah. home it was all well they're all unavailable or off world or things like that so we don't know what the status is of a yeah. team like the avenger we don't even know who sam and bucky are working for in regards to what was shown in this trailer they're working for shield the cia some independent outfit yeah, well, are I mean, they the avengers they now and this we know is they a, have a shield agent on their side because agent 13 shows up but she's they also showed a wanted poster for her. She's wanted for violating the Sokovia Accord. True. So she, oh, yeah. the, she's I a, checked. Uh, she's a the official trailer has 9.4 million views over the last six days. So, yeah, it's so doing numbers. It's done really well. And again, this is my own bias coming into play. Yes, I just crapped all over the Zack Snyder Justice League thing because it didn't really resonate with me. This did resonate with me. So maybe I'm just that excitement and the fact that it clicked with me makes more inclined to like it. I, I don't know. I can't I can't really delve deep into my biases here. I just know things. <laughs> so send your hate mail at 2JS at gonna about how there I you go. that. Yeah, I'm also I'm interested to see did you notice that that Baron Bonzimo was standing in front of what looks like a Sokovia like um mm-hmm. memorial. Yep. So it was like a dead family done as a statue, which I'm assuming is probably wherever that city was. Like, because yeah, the idea that, yeah, because of Ultron dropping the city on that place, like, yeah, the idea that, like, somebody went back and built a memorial and, like, Zemo's standing in front of where his family died. Because, I mean, that's the other thing. We had all this shit about, you know, Thanos wasn't wrong. Zemo wasn't wrong either. 
Like, you know, his family did die because of what the Avengers did. Like, he wasn't wrong. And he also won. Who would have thought Thanos, we... Thanos didn't pull his shit off. Zemo did. The yeah. only thing he didn't figure out at the end was how to get, kill himself because Black Panther stopped him. But I mean, Zemo broke up the Avengers. Well, here's where it gets confusing. One Thanos did win and then died when it was all said and done. Then the past version <laughs> of that Thanos yeah. didn't win. <laughs> Uh, in all fairness, they killed him twice in one movie, and that's a good villain when you got to kill him twice right? in one movie. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was interesting in that regard. But who would have thought, though, that we're in phase four and we're still getting and we're getting Ultron references again? And now oh, people yeah. are theorizing, is Ultron still out there? Did Vision screw up and he wasn't able to cut off the last Ultron memory and he's still doing things? Yeah, I mean, if, if comics has taught me anything, there's always a copy of Ultron somewhere. Right. There's a thumb drive hidden in a fucking mailbox in a city that no one's ever heard of. And eventually some kid's going to plug it into his computer and Ultron will be back. I mean, cause I do have a theory now that uh, Ultron could presumably come back because something that Wanda did with vision. Cause remember vision was supposed to be Ultron. So there's probably some seeds of Ultron in there. Yeah. There's Ultron, Ultron code again. in him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'm not Jarvis, I'm not Vision, I'm something else. Right. But yeah, he's made from those parts. He's greater than the sum of his parts, but those parts are still in there. There is Ultron code in Vision's synthesoid body. Yeah, so they could use WandaVision to somehow potentially bring Ultron back, or that could be some consequence of if Vision's resurrection sticks that it causes Ultron to return too because of how they're linked or created from each other. I don't know. We'll see what yeah. happens. I'm not 100% well, I mean, sure yeah, that and... Ultron, excuse me, I'm not 100% sure that Vision's resurrection is going to stick when it's all said and done. Well, I was going to say, and then, yeah, spoilers right now, like technically he's not resurrected. Yeah. He's just a fucking meat puppet. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's a, he's a non-meat meat puppet. He's, he's, he's a, he's whatever those fake chicken nuggets are. He's not even meat. He's pseudo, he's a pseudo meat puppet. <laughs> Yeah, and I do have a new theory for the aerospace engineer that I don't think will be right, but I think it's a fun one that they keep. We didn't get that this week in WandaVision. Presumably it's next. So they want us to think like Reed Richards or Suru Storm or something like that. Yeah, someone that's bringing her like a vehicle to break yeah. into the barrier, right? So, so who is another character that we've met in the MCU that is a pilot, knows how to fly, has access to Stark tech, presumably well-educated because he hung out with Tony Stark as his representative to the government. And if, depending on which canon you look at, also went to Harvard as an engineer that we've seen in the previous Avengers movies. That would be one Colonel James Rhodes. Oh, yeah, it could be Rhodey. And remember, Rhodey, Air Force pilot, was a colonel, could have very well known Monica Rambeau's mother throughout their careers as they crossed over. So What's funny is, once I had an idea of who it was, though, like my brain wouldn't let me go with anybody else, how cool would it be if it was the Blue Marvel? Yeah. What if they introduce more characters? It doesn't have to be somebody we already know. We could get the Blue Marvel... One of like the most powerful fucking um, African American superheroes that have been introduced to the Marvel comics lately that you know did really well in a superhero team that had Monica Rambeau and Captain Marvel on the team. A lot of stuff they've done in WandaVision <laughs> is subversion of expectations or screwing with us because they want us to think one thing and then pivot in another direction. So while I think they want us to think it's going to be Reed Richards, and I think it's probably likely that is, I'm trying to figure out who else it could be. Because I don't think we get the introduction of Reed Richards in WandaVision. I don't think they got a movie coming up in what, like three years. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's where you want the introduction of Reed Richards. Now, maybe Sue Storm's dad, Dr. Storm, who runs the Institute that will eventually have, you know, a bunch of scientists living there and like that become the Fantastic Four. I could see that. I just I don't know that it would be huge and it would be awesome. But the idea that like all of a sudden you know, God's willing, 
John Straczynski walks in on the set of WandaVision as Reed Richards. Like, my head's going to explode. <laughs> yeah, Haru Fonzix in the chat room says, could be Riri that gets the engine. That's true. I mean, we're, Williams, we're in. Ironheart. Yeah, we are in a very post-Tony Stark world. So the idea of a teenager finding one of those suits and tearing it apart, learning how to rebuild it, and then building her own, like, it definitely works in the, in the MCU now. Because, like, who, who would be there to stop her? I Iron Man's dead. I figured they would use the Armor Wars series to introduce her when they yeah. do that. That's what I was figuring for Riri. That's that. why yeah, I didn't just, think of her for WandaVision. Yeah, you get Rhodey, you get Hammer dealing with shit, and then you get Riri show up and you you do Armor Wars. Yeah, because, I mean, we also we haven't gotten the, the kid of Obadiah Stane yet either. Yeah. Which in the comics, like, that that family kept fucking with the Starks forever. Like, yeah. they've been fucking with the Starks for 40 years. So so part of me was thinking they could, if it was Jim Rhodes, it was the aerospace engineer, that leads you kind of towards a tease, towards Armor Wars, and they could do something in there that kind of hints yeah. at the fact that Stark tech is no longer under control since Tony Stark is dead. Be it the well, sword has gotten a hold of some kind of Stark tech, and while Rhodey's there, he's like, the hell? It's not even the more important thing that Tony Stark is dead. It's the fact that Jarvis isn't running the company, remember? He runs more of the, co- he runs more of the company than anybody except Pepper Potts. Jarvis used to run the company. Well, Friday picked up a lot of that stuff presumably in the off time while she's not jarvis she's been running the company for seven or eight years at that point in time with pepper possibly but does friday know all the secrets of all the suits where jarvis was the ai that was being used to build all the suits when tony had 59 of them oh yeah and armor wars could also be a way to reach ultra oh of course remember the arc in the 2000s where uh tony stark's suit gained sentience they made it as part of a y2k bug when he got struck by lightning and what it ended up turning into was there was a seed of ultron inside his suit so Ultron basically became the sentient Iron Man armor, and it was actually pretty badass. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, all I'm saying is when you bring Ultron back, make it to where the mouth doesn't move. There's no reason for the mouth to move. It yeah. should be a speaker inside of a solid mouth. And if the mouth's not moving, it's even creepier. That was the wrong. only thing I didn't like about Ultron. Why did his mouth move? There was no reason for it. He doesn't need to have a mandible. He doesn't eat. He doesn't actually talk. It's a fucking robot. Yeah. Like, why does the mouth move? It would have been so much creepier if we were just hearing James Spader's lines coming out of a deadpan robotic face. That's what it should have been. There should have been no emotion, no emoting at all on Ultron's face. It should have been blank. Look, I'm just glad we didn't get Vision Wang like Joss Whedon wanted to do for some reason. <laughs> that Fair was enough. Paul Bettany that introduced that in an interview. Uh, they wanted Vision to pop out of the pod naked. Yeah. So it'd be the big red dick instead of the big blue dick. Yeah, trying to go one on one with DC. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that didn't come up. And uh, speaking too. of Joss Whedon, we're not going to get into that one right now. We can do that next week if we want to. Or we're, yikes. Already, we're already yeah. going to delve into one th- one uh, conversation <laughs> we, area that could be controversial. Let's not do uh, two. We already got some yikes that, yeah, definitely touches on a topic that we normally avoid. Yeah. So for those that aren't familiar with the Joss Whedon stuff, go look it up on Twitter right now. It's been trending all over the place. We can touch on it next week. We're not ignoring the fact that it went on. This is another one of those cases where you have to separate the art from the artist and see whether they still enjoy said art. Yeah, because this uh, this puts a little uh, downer on uh, Buffy and Angel for sure. Yeah, and I really like those shows. Yeah, Firefly. Like... So yeah, uh, real real high level. Joss Whedon yeah. got uh, a lot of people came other than Ray Fisher on Justice League and spoke out about his behavior on set, folks insulting, abusive, verbally things like that. Yeah, and Michelle well, Trachtenberg had even commented and said there was a rule on the set of Buffy that Joss wasn't allowed to be in the room alone with Michelle. Yeah, and the, the biggest one I saw was Chris Carpenter talked about the fact that he was basically torturing her while she was pregnant. Like, and yeah, the fact that she backs up everything that Ray Fisher says is like, holy shit. And it seems like he seemingly <laughs> went after folks that were not men. Let's put it that way, because yeah. 
but not even that to the full extent because like Anthony Stewart had to come out and posted something. He's like, I had no idea this was going on. It's it's so different than my experience, and I feel so bad that I didn't notice it. I'm paraphrasing things to that effect. And I believe uh, J. August Richards come out and said he supported those folks. It wasn't quite his same. James Marsters had said something to, uh, to the same effect, but it also told a story in the past where Whedon had gotten really mad at him when his character had gotten popular and like backed him in a corner and shoved him against the wall and goes, I don't care how effing popular you are. We're going to kill you or something like that. And he was like, dude, it's your football. You do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> something to that effect. So it, yeah, it's, it's yeah, we, we can delve into it more next week. I haven't I haven't read enough to be comfortable talking about something that is heavy like that. I, I will say I, it's perfectly understandable to some folks where you may not necessarily be as comfortable with some of these properties you've loved, things like that before. But it's yeah. also perfectly reasonable if you can be like, yeah, Joss Whedon's an asshole, but that doesn't mean me loving Buffy is wrong or me loving Angel or Firefly or any of these other things he's done is wrong. It just means the dude is an asshole. And while I may not want to support him, I want to support this art that is out there with other people that are worthy of my support. Which, yeah, it's 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 weird the whole like, yeah, trying to like separate the art from the artist. You know, the only one that I had no trouble with is um, re-watching... Uh, uh, seven because mm-hmm. kevin spacey's the killer in that and he's the bad guy and like yeah. it's still like i'm like oh yeah he's an asshole and now we know he's an asshole well he's an asshole in this movie <laughs> I, I couldn't finish house of cards once all the stuff came out because i just couldn't separate oh, the two characters i did because you never see him on screen again well i had i was only in like season three so i still had oh, stuff okay, with kevin okay. spacey in it and i was it, like no I, I can't. yeah i was current and so literally from the in the off season in between where like buttercup takes over like literally you get a phone call with him and then that's it. Yeah. His character's done and gone for all of season four. And it's about her white house. And so, yeah, if you were current at the time, it was great because you never saw any more Kevin Spacey on the show. He was not an executive producer. Like they removed his name from everything. He had nothing more to do with the show. And they let fucking, I always say buttercup, but they let Robin Wright just kick ass for an entire season of television and be the psychopath like president that she wanted to be from the start of the show and it was awesome and it was well written and they handled it extremely well. Cause they're like, no, this character is basically dead to the world. Now we're going to remove him as easy as we can. And mm-hmm. storyline wise, it actually had worked cause he had basically just been pulled out of the white house yeah. and been replaced. So like it actually fit with the storyline kind of well. And they're like, yeah, no, we're just going to get rid of him. I mean, the, the best way to put it is there is nothing wrong with no longer liking the art that that person was involved. In. Just like there is nothing wrong with still liking it that that person was involved. It's not wrong to still say, I like these shows, despite the fact that he's terrible. Just have that understanding that, yeah, dude was not a good guy that was involved. But that doesn't mean that everyone else that was involved in that project should be painted with that same brush. And it's tough to do. Like I said, I can't do it with House of Cards, for instance. By all accounts, really great series, ends on a pretty interesting note, but I just couldn't separate them. Every time I saw him on screen, I was like, ugh. Made my skin crawl, not because he was Frank Underwood, but because he was Kevin Space. Yeah. So then the question is, will you be rewatching The Mandalorian? Oh, I have no problem rewatching Lorian. Uh, well, you, there you, you go. You go ahead and take your news story <laughs> on that, and I can explain why when we yeah. get to that. So, so yeah, if you've been living under a rock, you may not have noticed this week, but uh, uh, Gina Carano, Cara Dune, has been fired. Uh, amid social media controversy, as it put as it was put in the Hollywood Reporter article, 
from um, the 10th. Uh, UTA, there was a little nice little addition. UTA has also dropped the actor who will no longer be part of the Star Wars galaxy. So uh, per the article, Gina Carano will not be returning to the Mandalorian or the Star Wars galaxy after sharing a post on social media implying that being a Republican today is like being Jewish during the Holocaust. So that was the type of comparison she made. She'd been, you know, like, you know, a pretty big advocate for, you know, free speech and everybody's opinions are equal and valid, which we know is not true, because if your opinion is racist, that's not an opinion. That's you being ignorant. Um, let's see. One of the a Lucas, a Lucasfilm spokesperson said Gina Carano is not currently employed by Lucasfilm and there are no plans for her to be in the future. Nevertheless, her social media posts denigrating people based on their culture and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. Carano has been dropped as a client by UTA, an agency spokesperson confirmed, so she was dropped by her uh, agency. On Wednesday, the hashtag FireGinaCarano was trending following Instagram posts from the outspoken conservative actor and former mixed martial artist that was met with severe backlash. The post has since been deleted, but screenshots were widely shared by users on social media who called for her firing for the hit, uh, hit Disney Plus Star Wars show. This is not the first time Carano, who played former Rebel Alliance soldier Cara Dune on The Mandalorian, has been focused has been the focus of social media ire for her political comments. Last November, she issued contentious tweets, one in which she mocked mask wearing amid the novel coronavirus pandemic, and another in which she falsely suggested voter fraud occurred during the 2020 presidential election. It says they have been looking for a reason to fire her for two months, and today was the final straw. A source, a source from with knowledge of Lucasfilm's thinking tells THR. So basically, they'd been looking for a reason to get rid of her. And it was funny because this is also something I was talking about with my girlfriend. Gina Carano was a mixed martial artist. She was basically, let's be honest, the first good looking female mixed martial arts fighter because she is a very attractive female. She was the first one that was attractive and actually a solid fighter. She became a, and, a media sensation because she yes. was both attractive and a good fighter and they could market around. That, that's yes. a lot and of it, what had happened. Exactly. And so as a fighter, just like, you know, with wrestling, professional fighters build up, you know, they build up to the fight by talking shit, by talking trash. She became a star in the social media world. So she's when she you know was becoming a fighter and they were marketing her. You know, she was, I don't know if she was on Twitter yet, but like they're on Twitter, they're on Instagram, they're on social media, they're on MySpace, they're on Facebook, and you're talking shit about your opponent. You're talking how you're going to beat the crap out of them. You're being as outspoken as you possibly can because you want to be the Conor McGregor of your sport. You want to be that person that talks shit, gets people interested, which puts butts in the seats, which sells pay-per-view tickets, which makes you more money when you win or lose the fight because more people showed up. So this is a person who became famous at like the height of social media where part of their job was being as outspoken as possible. What I think the problem is, is that nobody in her staff, nobody, her agents, her managers, nobody was smart enough to say, Hey, you're not a fighter anymore. You are now on the biggest show on Disney plus, which Disney is a family friendly company. Anything you say is going to be scrutinized. And anybody that wants to say it's a freedom of speech problem, you're wrong. It's not. No one in the government has said a damn thing about what Gina Carano said. She has the freedom of speech to say whatever the fuck she wants. And as an as a private, or well not private company, but as a public company, as a company that can hire and fire anybody of their employees they want, Disney has the right to fire anybody that works for them. And as someone that made public statements that the Disney Corporation does not agree with, they have the right to fire her. That's just that's the same thing. You, know, you can't. Yeah, the government can't censor you for talking. 
she has the freedom of speech to say these things. She does not have freedom from consequences. So she made public statements that the Disney Corporation is not in tune with. Therefore, she is gone. Right. She's it's allowed. As simple as that. She's allowed yeah. to say what she wanted, whether you agree with her opinion or not. That's on you. Yep. But Disney, yeah, she, I'm presumed, she's probably allowed to say it. Disney looked at that and went, well, we don't want to deal with the backlash that's going to come on this. It's not the first time it's happened. And I would wager, I don't have anything to back this, I would wager there's some kind of clause in their contract for some kind of like social media clause or or how they represent oh, the yeah. company and what they do. And they were probably able to be like, look, we just, you're not worth the headache. And she I already mean, look, been yeah. warned supposedly for some of her other stuff. And supposedly it was John Favreau that had stood up for her when that happened from what I had read. So Disney said, we don't want this. And then a lot of people said, there's a lot of what about isms going on with Disney. What about Disney's behavior in China and stuff like that? Th those are separate things. Whether you agree with Disney's behavior in China or not, how they interact with the Chinese government, that doesn't necessarily make any difference for how they should respond to this. Does it make them hypocritical? Potentially, yes, but they're not the same kind of thing. They did what and it's they also that's a corporation, right. not a person. They, they did what they could do because they didn't want to deal with the firestorm. That's fine. Gina Carano can go and do other things. She's already gotten a new gig with Ben Shapiro, of all people. We won't go any further down that path, because that's not nope. the kind of things we want to talk about on this show. But yeah, In Disney... fact, we should, we should delete that name even from being mentioned on the podcast. Right. Uh, so Disney did <laughs> what they were legally allowed to do. People can be mad that they fired her. That's fine. You can cancel your Disney Plus accounts because they fired her if you're upset. That's fine. You're allowed to express your displeasure, just like other folks are allowed to express their displeasure that she was still working there at one point in time in light of... Yep. Both are perfectly viable. And yes, it sounds like I'm sitting on the fence because I guess technically I am because both people were allowed to do what they wanted in this case. Yeah, there is no censorship yeah. being involved. So people that anybody that wants to say it's a, a freedom of speech issue, it's not. While You're I'm free to say whatever you want, but if you yell fire in a crowded theater, you will be held responsible for the consequences. Right. While I may but not no have, one's stopping you from saying it. Yeah. While I may not have agreed with the contents of things that she had said, and while I had unfollowed because I was like, oh, I just don't want this kind of crap in my timeline ages ago, can say it, fine. And Disney can say, we don't like that you said those kinds of things. And because of how it reflects on us and the way your contract is, I don't have any more work for you. And that's fine. Yeah. The more interesting thing now is what do they do with Cara Dune? Does the character just die off screen? Do they pull a poochie like in South in uh, Simpsons and they basically just say, oh, yeah, she went here and never addressed it again? Or do they recast <laughs> the character? Uh, see, I'm, I'm thinking they recast the character, but at the same time, that's not going to be easy. But they don't have to either, though, because they could just be like, oh, well, this there's this character you met and she just went back to her planet. We'll never see her again when Mandalorian is done. Well, she can't go back to her planet. Well, <laughs> you're correct. Go back to the planet, which she was the marshal or the ranger yeah. on. She could go back yeah. there and Rangers of the new Republic yeah. doesn't and have to have her in it. And the fact that it was yeah. not a Cara Dune spinoff, but something called Rangers of the new Republic or whatever. Meant yeah. The that fact they that it were... wasn't called Cara Dune is like yeah. Disney's like, yes, we dodged well, that bullet. Supposedly. And this is, if you believe internet rumors like that, at one point it was originally going to be a Cara Dune spinoff. And then there was the last blow up about six, nine months ago of social media stuff. And Disney kind of went, yeah, no, no, let's just do something different. And so they're doing Legends or Rangers of the New Republic, and they can bring in other characters to fulfill that role. The simple fact of the matter is the Mandalorian's at a good stopping point where they don't necessarily have to go back to some of those characters we were introduced to in one. Like, yeah. as much as I would love to see Grief Karga again in Carl Weathers, they don't really have to do it because they're moving the story on, presumably, to Mando 
going to reunite the Mandalorians or doing stuff with Bo-Katan, it would seem, since he holds the Darksaber. Doesn't necessarily yeah. make sense that Cara well, Dune Boba and, and uh, Karga... Wen are going to do the, the, the Book of Boba as well. Right. So they, they've kind of reached a natural drop-off point where they can write the character out well enough. Don't yeah. really have to do much besides be like, yeah, the way Mando's story is, he doesn't really cross over with her. And... Yeah, it's a big galaxy. <laughs> and they could also very well just recast it. I mean, who knows? There's a lot of folks on the internet that are like, oh, if they recast, I'd love to see like Lana Perilla do that. For those who aren't aware, she was the evil queen in uh, Once Upon a Time when that show was on ABC. There were other folks who were like, oh, give the role to Lucy Lawless because she's a badass. And I was like, hell yeah, let Lucy Lawless be a badass in the Star Wars universe. I'm all about this. Yeah, see, yeah, that that would be my only thing. It's like, yeah, I want to see some someone that was fucking tough. Yeah, Lana Perillo is like a great actress, but I don't think she could throw around a stuntman in Mando armor the yeah. way that Gina Carano did. It's like shit. Give give the role to fucking um yeah another find another badass mixed martial artist and yeah. fucking bring them in and put or them just in the role. Bring someone else in in a similar kind of role for the Rangers of the New Republic yeah. show. Like I said, you don't have to do anything more with Gina Carano's character at this point in time, unless you really want to, unless they want to just give like a big middle finger and kill her off off screen. In the we first want you scene. to meet Tara Dune, Cara Dune's sister. <laughs> Who talks or about she, how her sister's such a eye, bitch. She has, she has the eye drop tattoo on the other side, <laughs> but was also a shock trooper for the New Republic. And it's Ronda Rousey. Look, let's be honest though. It's not like Marvel doesn't have a history or excuse me, Disney slash Marvel, a history of recasting someone, giving us a wink and a nod, moving on. Because we saw it when Terrence Howard was replaced by Don Cheadle, when his opening scene is, look, I'm here, let's deal with it. And they almost break and look at the camera to say it. So let's be honest. There's a precedent established here. They'll figure out something. Yeah, if they want to keep the character, yeah, they'll recast it. Otherwise, yeah, like you said, it's a very easy way to to write it off right now and just character goes away, we never see Kara Dune again. I just hope it doesn't mean we don't see Grief Karga because I kind of want to see Kara Weather some more yeah i mean yeah having carl weathers on the show like old, old man apollo i just i love it like he's so fun and just the way he yells mando which yep. it's also it's so ridiculous because it's literally like yelling human like <laughs> it's, it's just ridiculous but i love it and i do i do i love me some carl weathers like i've been a fan of that dude since i started watching the rocky movies so yeah anything with carl weathers in it i'm gonna be happy. that's fair i mean i'm i'm curious to see where they go with it but we're a long ways away from knowing what's going on and for those of you that are watching the show and are mad about the opinion we took on the firing of gina carano you're allowed to be mad great yeah. aspect of freedom of speech and things like that and if if you don't you're like also the, allowed to kiss my ass yeah i mean it, here's the thing <laughs> and i don't mean this demeaningly i hope folks do want to keep listening to us but if you don't agree with our stance and you want to stop listening or something like that it's your prerogative that's fine that's the yeah. beauty of opinions like that is you can then decide what you want to do with it i i would hope that We've established a relationship with folks that watch or listen to this show that is, while we may not necessarily agree all the time, we can respect each other's points, move on and continue doing what we've been doing. That's not the case. It's fine. It's the nature of the... Like George Carlin said, your radio's got two different buttons. One changes the channel and one turns the volume up or turns the fucking thing off. Not everything is for everybody. I'm too old and cranky at this point in time to feel like it has to, one difference of opinion means I will no longer like a person or a show or something like that. I will fully admit that if I don't agree, it may color my opinion a little bit. And but I liked, I would like to hope that a difference of opinion, Sally, I would write. I'm sure it happens. We'll probably reference taste for cut. As some <laughs> <of that. laughs> fair enough. Fair. Well, I mean, there's also, there, there's a varying degree on a difference of opinion. And like, there's yeah. people that will say something that's blatantly racist and say, well, that's my opinion. It's like, no, that's not an opinion, man. That's just, you're just being racist. So like, yeah, that, that covers a whole big spectrum of whether or not I'll agree with something. Cause yeah, it's like, well, yeah, no, you can have an opinion about whether or not you like fucking pineapple on pizza. 
if I do, your it's great. opinion is you don't think colored people should be in movies, we're not really going to see eye to eye or ever agree on that because that's not a fucking opinion. And sadly, that's the kind of <laughs> stuff you'll see some people say on Twitter, whether they're trolling yes. or not. I don't know. But that, yeah. That, OK, so, yes, that's a good point. There's a there's a point where that opinion gets shaded. If exactly. it's, we don't exactly. agree because of pineapple on pizza, or we may not disagree with the firing of someone because of what they said, not necessarily the content of what they said. If we don't agree there, then yeah. we might have more problems. But the fact that they were fired because of what they said, if you don't agree with our stance, that's one. Hopefully I made that relatively clear and didn't muddle it up too much. This is, this is why we don't always like to talk about the hot button issues yeah. or things like that, because we're really good about talking about comic books and things we like in there. No, oh, did you spot that Easter egg? But I don't know that I'm necessarily the great at trying to explain why something is a firestorm and cultural and societal impacts associated with it. Well, I think I think we do a good enough job. Yeah. But you're right. We could we could just go from this one and move on. I got a small story about Vigi games, and we could talk about that as well. Yeah, let, let, let's transition awkwardly out of something <laughs> that was well worth discussing, but I'm not sure how to pivot out of it and talk about video games. <laughs> there we go. So uh, one of the things I love about behavior is that if you are on Steam and you play Dead by Daylight on Steam, they give everybody access to what they call the PTB, the public test build. So every time a big change is coming up, they launch the public test build. You go into Steam, you download the access to it, and then you log into the game and you actually get to play on the public test build that they're testing up in Montreal, up at Behavior's headquarters. And you get to see the changes to the maps or changes to the characters or changes to how perks work or massive changes to the UI like we just got this week. They had done this in the PTB a couple of weeks ago and they got a ton of feedback. The majority of it negative because apparently everybody hated the new UI. I actually kind of like it, but I'm this time I'm in the minority. I like the new UI. It doesn't bug me at all. I move my cameras around on stream. I'm good. Like, I actually like it. I think there's one little small change they could do. But other than that, I actually think the new UI is pretty great. Upside is they changed it to where now it's supposed to be easier to fix. And after a couple days of it being live on PlayStation, Xbox, and Steam for the live servers, after the mid, uh, mid-chapter mid patch came out on Tuesday, they uh, released a tweet from Behavior's uh, official account at Dead by BHVR, which is Dead by Behavior, uh, on February 12th, saying, here's a preview of the changes we'll be making to the HUD following your feedback. Please note that this is a work in progress. We are still actively working on making changes, which will appear with the second bug fix patch. So there's already a bug fix patch coming where they, uh, let's see, the changes are they're lowered the survivor statuses from it was the top left and now they're moving it to the bottom left. They've lowered the hook counter, so that'll now also be under that. Moved objectives from the top to the bottom left, so they had weird objectives in the middle of the screen. And then removed text from objectives, which we didn't need. And skill checks now have their own UI scaling option. One of the cool things they'd added was a scaling option for your UI. So you could take the entire HUD in game and in menu and take it from 100% down to 70%. So it shrunk the it shrunk the 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 perks in your in the corner of your window. It shrunk all the data in the top right of your window. The problem was if you changed the in-game UI and shrunk it down to 70% because you wanted like a nice clean minimalist UI for your HUD in game. It also took your skill check circle, which has, you know, a little tiny bar that you got to hit the skill check in that bar. And it took that and it shrunk that little fucker down to 70% as well. And so it made it harder to see 
harder to hit your skill checks, very problematic. So they're already showing that one of the upsides of this new UI is it is different pieces. Each piece can be moved independently now. They can actually make changes to just the individual pieces. So like we're seeing right now, we're going to get a new scaler option. They're adding because there's there's a scale for in-game UI, in-menu UI, and we're now going to get a scale for the in-game skill check. So like it's already a great advantage, the updates that they did to the UI, because they completely changed the programming behind it so that in the background, what behavior is making changes to, they can go in and change that that little the skill check, and they're not having to make changes to the entire UI anymore. So it's all broken down in individual pieces, which is one of the things I was hoping for when they first made this change. But yeah, also, it's been really funny because the whole point of the public test build is that they get feedback. They do a survey after it, and the community, like 98% of the community, told them they hated the UI changes and didn't like what they'd done with it. And then they waited for it to go live and then got two more days of just tons and tons of negative feedback on social media and then said, hey, we heard what you said. We're going to fix it. So I mean, it kind of makes the, the survey that they do during the public test build kind of dumb. If you're not going to listen then, why are you listening afterwards? Upside is at least finally behavior listened. So we are getting changes to the UI that people are apparently really wanting. Um, but yeah, like there's there's some great new stuff on the UI. Now when you're a survivor, every time you get hooked, there's a little tack mark. And so you can see how many times someone's been hooked. The one change I want is I think those tack marks should be on the killer side as well. As a killer, you can go into a match where all four people can be playing Claudette. They can all four be wearing the same outfits, and you can't tell the difference when you down them if it's someone you've hooked or not, unless you could see the little tack mark. There's a hook meter now, so you can tell how many out of 12 hooks you've gotten, which also I found out is Brooke yesterday because of the bugs and glitches going on. I put somebody on a hook there one time. I got credit for one hook. They decided to struggle, which can end up putting you in second phase, and then you can end up dying. So there's three phases of a hook you put somebody on. I literally put a Meg on a hook, watched her struggle as I was leaving, and then she didn't struggle in the struggle phase, and so ended up killing herself on the hook, and the hook meter went one, two, three. And it gave me credit for three hooks, but then at the end of the game, I did not get the points as if I had hooked her three times. So even that hook meter is glitchy right now. Basically, right now, behavior is having a whole lot of trouble. They're finally listening to people, so we're going to get some updates and some big bug fixes, hopefully, but the game is just buggy as shit right now. <laughs> Nothing's working. The matchmaking's fucked up. There's visual glitches. There's audio glitches. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a super buggy game. I would just say bear with them. Like, uh, apparently, like Haru said, they just bought the game. Don't judge the game on the way it's going to run for probably the next two weeks, because a big patch just came out, and they also took uh, one of the two maps they updated got removed from the servers, you can't even go to um, the Crotus Pen Asylum right now. And they also removed another map, which I don't know what the error was on that one. But like two of the maps in game have actually been removed from the options. So you cannot even load into them anymore. So yeah, the game is currently very buggy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and they did, yeah. And Crotus Pen Asylum, they moved Maurice the horse. The zombie horse has been moved, as Chris just noted. Um, but yeah, you can't that go to that map. That was completely accidental, right but it worked. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> Yeah, you can't go to that map right now. So yeah, it's there's you know there's lots of other maps in the games you can go to, but yeah. So you know go uh you know if you're gonna play Dead by Daylight this week, just bear with them. They're also they're giving everybody fifty fifty thousand blood points a day right now for the Gilded Stampede as kind of a way to say hey we we heard what you all hated about the UI and we're making changes. Just give us a minute. So yeah, whenever the next bug patch actually comes out, we don't know when it's gonna be yet. They haven't put a date on it, but yeah, uh, Behavior's got another patch coming. 
It should be making the the UI changes and some huge changes to the in-game stuff. Also, in the meantime, if you go enter the code the code bull shirt, all one word, you will get Adam's shirt. That is the first um, code they released for the new Lunar New Year cosmetic. Adam has a very cool uh, red jacket over a yellow hoodie. And yeah, they uh, they made a joke about trusting the community team with coming up with a promo code because the <laughs> promo code that you put into the store is bull shirt. That works on Steam, Xbox, uh, it should work on mobile, works on PlayStation Network, should work everywhere now. All the codes are supposed to work everywhere for Dead by Daylight. So yeah, there, there's changes coming up. But yeah, Haru, if you, I know you just got it. Don't judge the game on how it's going to play until the next patch comes out. After the next patch, it should be much better. Right now, the game is just buggy as fuck. So if you're going into it as a level 20 survivor, level 20 killer, just know that it might be really buggy. But also, me and the girlfriend last night, we played for like six hours, like sharing the controller back and forth and did a bunch of matches and both of us got like over half of the level one tome done and really enjoyed some of the matches we had so like there's still fun to be had by playing dead by daylight right now you just gotta you know take it with a grain of salt that a whole lot of it is really fucking buggy yeah well they'll get it that makes yeah. them too much money yeah, yeah i mean yeah it's also it's the game from that studio and it's a game they've been updating coming up i mean they already did their four-year anniversary it's like we're heading towards the five-year mark in this game it's got IP from half the, you know, half the horror films that are out there. They've, you know, added, there's like, what, like 16 survivors now, 12 or 13 killers. Like, you know, it's just, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. They keep adding to it. They keep working on it. And yeah, the maps keep looking better. I literally went back and watched an old um, hybrid panda video from the first year of Dead by Daylight. The game is unrecognizable from how bad it used to look, how poorly it used to play, and how awful the graphics used to be. This game now is a thousand times better they've done nothing but progress forward and make the game better and better and better so even when it's buggy even when it's laggy even when there's problems just remember it's progressively gotten better behavior has improved dead by daylight they keep improving it there's a reason i keep buying you know the rift the, the their version of the battle pass and like the apex one it's awesome because they design it to where if you buy it once you earn enough points to buy the next one. So nice. it's fantastic. You only have to buy it one time, which makes for a great battle pass. And yeah, this one, they also added uh, the big update on this one. There's 13 full costumes in the fucking Rift this time. A costume on Dead by Daylight usually costs you $10. So if you do the very simple math, that's roughly $130 worth of costumes that you can get for 10 bucks this year if you buy the Rift Pass. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a it's a pretty good Rift Pass this time. There's a lot of costumes in it, and some of them are really cool. They're, and they also added, I think, three full costumes in the free version of the rift pass so even if you don't buy the premium you just play the 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 free version if you go through all 70 tiers you get three full costumes like that's fantastic that's 30 dollars worth of stuff right there because their cosmetics are outrageously fucking expensive in this game get the free ones where you can people get the free one like it's totally worth it but yeah that was my other news of the week so i'm gonna pivot on mine based off of some conversation we're having in the chat room and i'm not fully well right. versed in it yet i was doing some googling as we were going but uh, Haru was in the chat room talking about some delays for ubisoft games some of which now have like no announced release date things like that's like far cry writers of the republic Rainbow. so i started doing some googling as through here ubisoft had announced some delays over the recent months far cry 6 had been delayed prince of persia sands of time remake has been delayed as well for instance and there is no release date and that was supposed to drop march of this week of this year excuse me not this week. uh i guess some of what's going on here and i'm i'm reading through this article as we go 
is that in an earnings call, Ubisoft had detailed its fiscal year 2022 to include three AAA releases, Far Cry 6, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and supposedly or likely a new Assassin's game. They said after this, Ubisoft will be scaling AAA games back in favor of free-to-play games and remasters. In the call, they said, quote, We said for a number of years that our normal template to come with either three or four AAA games stick to that plan for fiscal year 2. But we see that we are progressively, continuously moving away from a model that is to be focused only on AAA releases to a model where we have a combination of strong releases from AAA and strong back catalog dynamics, but also complementing our program of new release, free-to-play, and other premium experience. So what does this mean? It reads to me that Ubisoft is shifting their focus a bit to free-to-play games when their latest attempt kind of flopped, what happened. And they've already sort of reallocated some of their talent internally towards these new shifts, hence why we're seeing delays for things like Persia remake that was supposed to, they've probably shifted other things. We do also know that Ubisoft just signed a deal with Disney to do a Star Wars open world game. So presumably that is also going to be responsible for why some of their big AAA titles now might get staggered out a little further because they're going to have a big Star Wars. It's interesting to me. You're muted. Apologies. I was looking something up. Yeah, you got to love a big Star Wars game. Because, I mean, yeah, the last one was awesome. I'll be looking forward to the next one. Jedi Fallen Order was fun as fuck to play. I mean, I didn't I didn't do squadrons, though. Yeah. Flight simulators are always iffy for me. It's an interesting move we're seeing here from Ubisoft as I read this, which is they're realizing the fact that in part these big AAA titles, people might buy one of those. They're not necessarily going to buy all the other stuff, but people are more inclined to try out a free-to-play thing, dump some money into that potentially, or to buy a remaster of a game they really like. So I sort of get where they might be coming from to say, hey, we don't need as many AAA titles right now because to spread those AAA titles out, they're probably still going to sell. People are going to buy the new Watch Dogs. They're going to buy the new Assassin's Creed yeah because of thing because of the name creed or their legacy i i'm i try i have a hard time coming up with the right word I was, but people recognize and will go back and to play those things so it's interesting to see that after 2022 they'll start doing less triple a titles i assume one of those that we'll be seeing sooner than later though is the star wars title which may end up delaying some of their other stuff that we haven't seen matthew i do hope we get that prince of persia i love i think it was 2003 or 4 when it came out on the original xbox and ps2 shit man i love that game on commodore 64 what you talking well, about i've yeah, been playing I prince of persia too. for a long damn time yeah <laughs> well this one was 3d prince of persia which everyone's like, yeah. oh my god this is amazing yeah i remember that it was the one where it was, yeah it, was, it played like a like a like the updated zeldas right where it was, yeah, it was a 3d world yeah like that one was cool yeah the puzzle solving in that in that prince of persia game was really well made and the wall running was actually really well done yes yeah i did i do remember liking that one i like that game let's be honest ubisoft's fun. also seen that if you put one of these big AAA titles out in a microtransaction dlc are buying too because that's just the way the company has pivoted <laughs> and haru fonzix in the chat room points out you can live in a game for four to five years and not need to develop another property bungie is a company living off a single game right now yep destiny and there was now, hope one good would... game there was hope you'd see that with EA and Anthem because everyone wants that living game. And There was hope. There was su- hope. Supposedly this week, EA was supposed to be making a decision on whether Anthem 2.0 was going to continue going forward. Or- and it's been all radio silence since that story broke last week. Mm. This last week. Excuse me, two weeks ago that the previous week was going to be the week in which EA was making that decision. Don't hold your breath, probably. One of the reports was that if they wanted to actually do a full Anthem 2.0, they'd have to like double the developer size on it. So, uh, <laughs> My guess is they might do some cost of living enhancements that they've done in there already, and they'll probably end of life. What's sad is I haven't logged in that game in six months, and it's still one of my favorite flight simulators. 
it was fun. I logged it's, into it about a week ago just in giggles to see what was going on with it, to see how active the community was as part of that. And it took a while to match make. And then I was really curious because I went on the Anthem subreddit and there's a lot of people that are, are hoping falsely, I think. Oh, if we stream it or if we start playing, EA is going to care. Well, they're not going to look at just last day's stats decision, nor yeah. are they looking at things like how many people are streaming it. Because in today's world, the people streaming and the number of people watching are decent metrics to determine how a community. And I'll and tell I you, the Twitch looked. numbers on Anthem them are sad the last time they i checked it very sad it was like an afternoon it was like a 2 30 or 3 o'clock on like a thursday or friday so probably not peak streaming time there were six people streaming anthem and 32 total viewers across those six and if you're wow. electronic arts and you look at something like that not gonna make you be like oh my god we have to do this game because if you want to make money off of it you need to get people in there playing buying microtransactions buying passes stuff like that and taking place the events it seemed to indicate to me that they don't have those numbers which is kind of a shame because the bones are there for a good game i was a very very late comer to anthem i picked it up for like seven bucks to try it out and like i enjoyed the single player but the problem was <laughs> Once you're done with the single player, there was no like post game content that was really no. like, oh my god, I have to keep playing this. It was well, I guess you I spent keep... a, you spent about one hundred and seventy three dollars less than I did on that game. Yeah, well, I mean, it should have <laughs> it should have been good. We all bought it, and I also bought into the Bioware hype. Thankfully, this is one where I uh, played the demo and went, oh fuck this. Similar to uh, Avengers, which I did eventually buy when I got it for fifteen dollars, but I'm waiting until Grade comes out to play it. It's sitting on yeah. my shelf, but for fifteen bucks, I knew I wouldn't see it that price i don't know it's interesting we're sort of seeing this shift in the way the game industry works right now which is a focus on remasters and free-to-play which we're seeing ea do that also because what's one of the big remasters they're pushing in may mass effect legendary edition just a remaster we've already bought these games many of us and spent hundreds of dollars on them and played them and now i'm like i'm gonna drop 60 bucks again i'm okay with it myself but uh just talk about metric wise yeah i had to actually uh use the search engine in twitch to find it because it doesn't even show up in my stream anymore uh, there are 39 people viewing Anthem right now. Yeah, and that's a Sunday at 1240 Eastern as we yeah, record this. In a Sunday afternoon. And yeah, like to give that like some balance so you can like have an idea of the regular numbers, like the the games that show up at the top of my list. Uh, Dead by Daylight, a game that's like I said, four and a half years old. That's a horror asymmetrical one has 37,000 people viewing it. Destiny 2 has 15,000 people viewing it. Apex has 66,000 people viewing it. And those that are on Twitch just chatting with their audience, they have 413,000 viewers. Anthem has 39. Oh. Not 1,000, just 39 yeah, viewers. So, <laughs> and this is the world we live in where that is a valid metric yeah. to look and see how many people are streaming or playing a game. Because if your game gets popular and people stream it, other people will want to play it. We saw it with Among Us. The game had been out for years. Then all yeah. of a sudden, people started streaming it and showing it off online. Everyone, oh my God, I want to play this game. Now. Well, and Dead by Daylight, it had a solid community. And it had, you know, they built up pretty good numbers. But when it became the free game of the month on PlayStation, that's when me and Willie and me, Willie, and a bunch of others picked it up. Like, it got a giant boost. And it basically doubled the numbers of people playing, streaming, and watching that game. And since then, like, they haven't gone more than, like, three months without releasing something new in this game. Because that many more people are playing it, that many more people are buying it. And people seeing it are going in and buying cosmetics. And like I said, cosmetics are expensive as fuck in this game. So that's making them money. So they turn back around. They pay their developers. And the developers put more shit in the game. So yep. it's also gotten better because more people are watching it. More people are playing it. The company makes money. They reinvest in themselves and they make their game better. So it, it's an interesting trend. Where what this is problematic for is if you're someone who really enjoys like a 
a long single player game that's becoming less and less the norm because that's not where the living that's not where the uh, money keeps coming from it's a one and done kind of thing or one and then buy a dlc which is i love an engrossing single player like rp stuff that's a bit troubling for the future but we'll see well i just got final fantasy 14 i've been trying that but i don't know i'll be honest like we still get the occasional spider-man game so yeah as long as those keep happening i'm good i'm i'm like i got to the I mean, I guess it could be what I'm into, but yeah, I'm almost to the end point of miles finally. So that's a good way to p- to pivot us into wrapping up, Come which in. is we wrap Come things in. up with a little bit called what I'm into. It's our chance to share with you guys who are watching live or listening later, the kind of geeky and nerdy things we've been getting into. You might check them out yourselves. And since Bachman, it kind of started us down that path. I'm going to, I'm going to pivot back to you and be like, Hey, what you been getting into buddy? Oh, that works. Yeah. I've been getting into a little final fantasy 14. Uh, me and the girlfriend were trying to find just another game we could play online, uh, on the PlayStation network. And that one you know, is an MMO RPG, but, uh, very much designed for PC. And then I won't even say ported to the PlayStation, like just copied and clunky interface and kind of pushed to the PlayStation. But once you get used to the controls and the awful map like it's like i'm having some fun with it like it's you know old school grinding at the start of an rpg the way it is but like the world building the cinematics are cool the 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 combat's not bad so like i'm i'm looking forward to see like how the game plays out uh weirdly they have um like random starting spots for all the different races in the game and so like there's a very large continent and with a bunch of different starting cities but there's also like a secondary like large you know island continent that's just off by itself where I'm guessing they originally had like the two expansion races start out. And sadly, my girlfriend's character started on that island and I started on the main continent. And so we couldn't fucking team up and play together because you have to hit level 15 before you can rent an airship and go to the other island. Yeah, I'm like, you know, if it's World of Warcraft and we both play trolls, you both start off in Troll Valley and you can instantly team up and play the game together. And, like, this doesn't give you the option to do that, which is, yeah, that's annoying. But, I mean, like, you know, we're seeing the upside of it, seeing the downside of it, so we'll see how that one goes. But, yeah, like I said, uh, I've been playing a hell of a lot of Miles, finally going through, and um, I was working on a bunch of the subquests and finally getting all the tech and started progressing the story a little more, and I went to swing towards the next story part, and it stopped me mid-screen with the little pause menu that said, hey, this is the last time you have to upgrade before the end of the story. Do you really want to go forward? And I'm like, no, I do not. And I hit circle and backed off and decided, yeah, it's time to go um, finish, you know, all the little side missions, get all the tech, make sure I have everything unlocked and then go finish it. But yeah, so I'm like 78% of the way through miles, I think. So I'm about to hit probably, I mean, this week, I would guess I'll probably get to the very last part of that story. Um, and then once that's done, I do have to go finish Ghost of Tsushima. Because I've been sitting in, you know, act two of that game for so long and I've just been putting it off and putting it off because I don't really want to finish it because I just I've loved that game so much. And it's so much fun just hopping on my horse and literally just riding around and playing the flute as my samurai <laughs> dude. Like, it's so relaxing. Like, I'll do nothing for like half an hour sometimes. And I'm just I'm just riding my horse through the forest like listening to the leaves blow and listening to the animals going around and just yeah. fucking playing his flute. Like, I mean, I meditate when I play fucking no man's sky. Cause I can just literally go out into space and just mine asteroids and listen to a podcast. And it just kind of lets my brain relax. I don't have to do anything, but I've really found that ghost of Tsushima has the same thing. And then once I don't want to be like, I mean, I won't say bored cause it's not boring, but like once I don't want to be relaxed anymore, I just go find a band of Mongols and attack them and start chopping motherfuckers up. So like it had it does both sides very well. It's it could be very relaxing, very energetic at the same time. So yeah, once I finish Miles, I'll be going back to Ghost. 
Uh, been enjoying uh, the launch of Apex Season 8. with uh, They added Infuse, the new character. New changes to the King's Canyon map have been really fun. Uh, the new Battle Pass is actually really cool looking. And then, like I said, you know the updates to Dead by Daylight. I actually like the new UI. I like the way it looks. The only thing I want is those the tack marks on the survivor side. The killers should be able to see them as well. That way, it's. I'll be honest. I try to be a fun killer. I try not to tunnel people. I try to make it fun. If I put somebody in a hook, I try to go to the other side of the map, let the other survivors get them off the hook, heal their friends, do whatever. I want to kill all four people. That's my goal as a killer in the game. But standing in front of the hook, camping it, not moving away from the hook, like that just makes the game less fun. I want to hook somebody, go attack somebody else, let that person get off the hook, let their friends heal them, get points for that, and make it fun, make it entertaining. If all four characters, like I said, are wearing the same character and wearing the same cosmetic, I can't tell the difference between those four unless I memorize their gamer tag. And if you play 30 matches of Dead by Daylight every day, you're not going to even try to memorize everybody you play against fucking gamer tags. It's ridiculous. So yeah, if those tack marks were there and I downed somebody and I could tell, hey, I've already hooked this person twice. If I hook them right now, they die. I might leave that person on the ground and let their friends come pick them up. Like that's information I should have as the killer. How many times I've hooked somebody. So yeah, once they add that, I think it'll be you know, a, a really nice addition. Because yeah, I do like the new the new UI. I like the way they've updated it. The visual effects on the nurse and the clown have been awesome. They did a huge patch and just updated the way a lot of it looks. But yeah, the game like it's glitchy as fuck right now. Like I said, but still, like we're having fun with the new tome. There's great um, cosmetics that are in it. They're free. It's definitely worth the ten dollars. Like of uh, I think this is tome six or seven. I can't remember how many rift passes they've done so far. But it's definitely the best one for the rewards so far that they've done. And the challenges aren't insane. They're not. Some of the ones that we got in the second tome were just ungodly and super difficult. And these ones are proving to be, you know, it changes your gameplay because it makes you play a certain way in each match if you have to specifically do a thing. But the ones that I've seen so far in level uh, tier one, level one of, of the new tome, they're not so bad to where it makes it to where you basically lose the match as a killer or as a survivor because you're focused on the challenge. And th- those are the challenges that I really like seeing in the game is the ones that don't they don't kill your gameplay. Like there were some early on challenges, which I was redoing some of them a couple of streams ago, where one of them was hook all four survivors in the basement. That basically means you have to play like a dick because you have to get someone in the basement and then camp the basement and try to catch the other survivors as they come for the rescue and then hook all four people in the basement. That's not a fun way to play, but that also was a challenge that behavior put in the game. So if I'm doing that challenge, I'm playing like a dick. And so, you know, little 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 give and take on the game. But yeah, I've been getting into that. Um, I finally read through all of the Bloodshot uh, trade paperbacks available for free in the Comixology uh, Unlimited app. And I've now started uh, Archer and Armstrong. Um, they basically just dropped like the, the new release of, I think when uh, they did all the new Valiant updates and I want to say like the 2010 era. Uh, it's basically every trade that's been brought out since then is now on the Comixology Unlimited app. So yeah, I just read the first, I think six, it's five or six trades of Bloodshot and I'm starting Archer and Armstrong. After that, I got Ninjak and Exo Manowar, uh, really enjoying the hell out of those. Like, you know, some great artwork, some great, um, books in there. And, um, I am going to have to, uh, add a book to my poll list. Um, if you guys don't know, there's a artist named Derek Robertson who you should know his name if you don't. Uh, co-creator of The Boys. He was the artist on Transmetropolitan and Space Bastards. And uh, along with uh, some colorists and letterers, he is actually working with DC to bring back the Legends of the Dark Knight comic, which is now going to be a digital comic from DC. And uh, Derek is writing and drawing it. So 
you know, I picked up a whole lot of books because of Derek Robertson's artwork. He's literally the artist that did the very first New Warriors sketch in my New Warriors con sketchbook. He's a fantastic guy. And yeah, if you've enjoyed the boys, almost all that shit that looks cool in there is because of Derek Robertson. Like he's awesome. He also uh, he do he did a little comic book called Happy, which was also turned into another batshit crazy TV show. So his artwork lends itself really well to batshit crazy stuff. And what's more batshit crazy than Batman? So I mean, yeah, he's bringing wrong. back Legends of the Dark Knight. So I'm I'm excited to see that. I had to actually add a DC book to my poll list, which I haven't done since I canceled Nightwing when they shot him in the head because Dan Didio sucks. But now yeah. Dan Didio's gone, and now apparently Tim Seeley's on Nightwing, and it's good again. And now I might have to get it again. Who would have thought that Tim Seeley could write Nightwing? Yeah, Tim Seeley can write anything, right? I wish uh, yeah, so Kyle Higgins was still writing into. Nightwing. A good run on it. Yeah, he does have a new creator-owned book out that I haven't had a chance to check out yet. It's called Radiant Black, I think. Kyle I've Higgins. I've seen ads for that. It, it looks pretty cool. Good. Yeah, I, I was reading like some it, interviews. It looks pretty interesting. Yeah, it looks good. I yeah, mean, good good comic book stuff coming up, and yeah, comic book cartoons coming up too. Invincibles next month. Next sure. month, Invincible. So what I've been getting into, I don't even know half the time anymore because it all blurs together. <laughs> but uh, th- this next one, what I've been into gaming wise, we have to blame our very own Cody Goff, formerly of the Unqualified Gamers in Game Life Balance US, which is on hiatus right now. You might also know him from the Curiosity Daily podcast. He had been talking about on Twitter very emphatically the game Haiti, which one game of the year in 20 from a lot of different publications, things like that. I hadn't, I'd read his feedback on, okay, this might be something I get to eventually, but it's a roguelike game, which I normally don't like. And for those that aren't fair, this is where basically you die many, many times before you get out. It's always kind of random, different things that happen in map and stuff like that. And they've always frustrated me because I feel like I'll never be able to beat the game because it's just the randomness and the fact it's pretty much kill you. I had then, uh, there's a YouTuber I watch, uh, it's a Woodhawker has a channel called beat em ups where he talks a lot about switch games and stuff like that. At the beginning of the year, he had done his review of Haiti and it was a really creative, really well done game where he plays with the fact that in roguelites you die and you're always repeating the same actions. He made a really smart, witty video out of it. And I, I watched some gameplay footage and stuff and okay, this is a game I'm going to have to check out next time I see it on sale. And I did not see it on sale until I follow Wario 64 and shoot if they're trying to find good price or find out whether a console is available to buy. And he said, hey, or they, I don't know whether they're male, female, whatnot. Uh, Hades is on sale right now on Switch for the next three days, 20% off. And I went, well, $19.99? This is a game I've been wanting to play for a while. I pulled the trigger, decided to buy it. Side note, it's also on sale on Steam because it's a game that's available on both Switch and available for Windows and Mac OS for $19 as well while it's on sale. And it's really fun. The game's been out since September. I've heard people talking about it a ton and I've really enjoyed it, had a ton of fun with it. And for those that aren't familiar, just from the Wikipedia, uh, Hades is a roguelike action role-playing game developed and published by Supergiant Games. It was released for Windows, Mac OS, and Switch on September 17th. And if you're not familiar with what it is, Players control Zagreus, who is the son of Hades, as he attempts to escape the underworld to reach Mount Olympus. And at times you're aided by gifts bestowed upon him from the other Olympic run <laughs> challenges the player through a random series of rooms populated with enemies and rewards. The game has a hack and slash combat. So the combination of you use a combination of main weapon attacks, dash power and magic abilities to defeat enemies while avoiding to go as far as progress. While you will often die, the player can use gain treasure to improve certain attributes or unlock new weapons and abilities to improve the subsequent run. I've had the game since third. Thursday, I think it is. Yeah, Thursday. I think I've put 12 hours in. I've died 27 times and killed something like almost 2,000 enemies. It's really fun. It's really addicting. And for my purposes on the Nintendo Switch, that was the perfect way to play it because it lends itself really well to playing Undock, just sitting in the chair having fun on. And I do have 
one of those, uh, I think it's called satisfied grips or whatever that you put on an undocked Nintendo Switch. And it makes it a lot easier to hold on to. It gives it like some grips around the side and it makes it feel like an Xbox controller kind of wrapped around the Switch, the way the handholds work. So it's perfect for me in that regard. And I've been playing a ton of this game. I honestly don't know what else I've been getting into gaming wise because this is all I've played when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to content I've been consuming on TV uh BattleBots I'm caught up on also was uh I had noticed and saw J Michael creator of Babylon 5 writer of mini comics had announced that HBO Max now has Babylon 5 and not just what we used to TV but the HD remasters of Babylon 5 oh so I've been going back and rewatching some of my favorite episodes of B5 it's much better than the DVD transfers that came out almost a decade ago. However, caveat, they redid the HD remasters in the 4x3 aspect ratio, not 16x9. If you're unaware, they filmed and did all the special effects originally in Babylon 5 in 16x9, which is what we got on the DVD releases. However, the special effect, instead of doing them smartly, they took the 4x3 special effects and then cropped them down 16x9 by cutting off pieces of them. The DVD transfers were terrible for all of the uh, Babylon 5 special effects. They're pretty good for what we got on HBO Max. So if you are a B5 fan, or you've been curious to watch one of the first really serialized science fiction television shows, Babylon 5 is now available on HBO Max. All five seasons, none of the movies so far, because they did a bunch of the hmm. tied in effect. None of those are available. What I will tell you, if you watch Babylon 5, the special effects are very much a product of their time in the early 90s. They don't rate, but it is a fantastic cast team of writers that worked with J. Michael who wrote like 80 show were fantastic the actors bought into everything he was doing and i had a lot of fun with it it is in my mind the first super serialized science fiction show that we got on television because straczynski had written out his five-year plot for everything that was going to happen and then he had written his show bible around that expanded things out in background like somewhere between 500 to a thousand years of back history and post history, so he'd know how to tie Damn. things off <laughs> and what i thought was really cool and straczynski's talked about it on his twitter i'm sure he does this on patreon which i haven't subscribed to yet is he created an on-ramp and an off-ramp for every character so if an actor for instance wanted to show he'd already had a hook in place so how he could get them off the show and then replace their character and what they were supposed to do in the arc with other characters so like season one of the show you lose the main character who's the commander of the space station. You lose one of the telepaths and then he's able to replace them and pivot into new characters that kind of continue to fulfill those roles and then find creative ways to finish off those characters' story arc. For, for those that aren't familiar, uh, Michael O'Hare played Commander Sinclair in season one of the show who was the main character. I, I think he was schizophrenic or he had some other mental health issue. The show was doing his health no good. So he talked to JMS about it. They got through season one and he had asked to be written off, was still willing to come back to do some stuff guest starring wise his health was better he got written off the show replaced and they brought him back to guest star in a couple episodes to finish off his character's arc like in season three when he was healthier and jay michael straczynski had talked about it in a comic after michael O'Hare had passed he told him he would never tell anyone until after he'd passed away what all had happened on that but wanted to commend what he had done being so ill but still putting in that time on the show and wanting to finish off the character arc it's a really good show it's loaded with a ton of talented people and the thing that i really realized recently most of the cast of that show is dead now for yeah. a show that was on in the early 90s most <laughs> of the cast of that show has passed away at the it's really kind of a bummer to realize like holy crap like there was never going to be a reunion like that but there's not even like the opportunity for it at the time just because they've just been struck real hard 
covered with tragedy. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Great show though. If if you've ever been in, if you love sci-fi television, go check out Babylon Five. Just no rough. Oh uh, yeah, I finished uh, Lovecraft Country too on HBO Max. Heard yeah, like really all, uh, so many shows on HBO Max. That one is it is one of the most insanely well-written shows, and also nothing you expect yeah. from the very start to the end of that season. It is such good television. I also uh, on the CW app, which I finally I don't know why you can't put on fucking PlayStation. But you can put the CW app on my fucking Roku and it works just fine. Um, I watched the pilot for Walker, Texas Ranger, and it's just weird seeing Sam and having people call him Walker because I don't know. He's Sam. But oh, it's it's actually pretty good. Like, I mean, it definitely, you know, it takes a little mental juggling. It's not Chuck Norris. You know, it it is, you know, a character I've I've watched as Sam Winchester for 15 fucking years. It's so like, you know, I get it. You got to you got to move on to a different role. You got to try something different. You don't want to be typecast, especially. I mean, they were what, four years old, I think, when um, Padalecki and the other one started on that show. I think so. I think they were four, four or five years old when they started on uh, Supernatural 27 seasons ago. And yes, yeah, like, you know, they're trying not to get typecast. So we're going to get one of them as, you know, uh, Soldier Boy on the boys. And we're getting the other one. Oh, yeah. Dean's going to be Soldier Boy. And we're getting Sam as um as a Walker, Texas Ranger. But. It's a, it's a pretty solid pilot. Like it's not bad. Like it's it's a, a a Texas Ranger dealing with the death of his wife and like family problems and his kids and stuff. And yeah, it's it's cool to see uh what uh because yeah that's Pedalecki I think right I think I, so, I yes. always forget which one's which. Yeah, you got Jared and Jensen. But yeah, um, Jensen Ackles is going to be in the boys, and Jared Pedalecki yeah. is the one that Jared Pedalecki is. Yeah. yeah, Walker. So yeah, yeah, seeing him as Walker, like it's it's definitely it's an interesting it's change. And if yeah, if you watch the old Walker Texas Ranger. This is definitely not Chuck Norris, but there was some good fighting in the pilot. Like I liked it. Like it's, it's an interesting show. I'm, I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I watched that and I watched the first episode of the new Batwoman and I'm much more intrigued now to watch uh, more Walker, Texas Ranger than I am Batwoman. Like the, the new way they started the show was kind of dumb. It's like, oh, there was a plane crash and Ruby Rose just magically disappeared. It's like, really? That y'all couldn't even, they like, already get renewed back. it though. Yeah. Well, maybe it and gets better. Maybe yeah, I have to give it another chance. The but yeah. The, the first was, episode was not great. I was really surprised, pleasantly so, even though I'm super far behind. Legends Tomorrow already got rid, which I did not think would make it past. I'm still surprised Legends is a show. Well, that's with also what true. they've done with that show. Like, it's so crazy. If you go back and watch the first episode and compare that to what the show is now, it's two different shows. Like, it's not yeah. even the same creature. Like, it's so crazy how much it changed. It was all about the Hawkmen. At the yeah. beginning, like it was so weird. She used to be a barista because yeah. they would remind you every episode. No, that that got renewed. And then uh, what was I saw? Superman and Lois, I think. Is that this start? Maybe. And that one's already got apparently some controversy because yeah. apparently they fired the one person of color in their writing room. And yeah, so that's already not looking good. Yeah. But more importantly, if we want good entertainment, I believe uh, last week tonight with John Oliver's back after their like three month hiatus tonight. So hey, John Oliver also- should be back. Grant Gustin is back as a Flash. Yeah, well, in a world where all the West are black actors and nobody apparently on that show is racist. So yeah. big up to the Flash. No, no, they fired the racist guy. <laughs> oh yeah, they fired the racist guy. <laughs> they fired the racist go. guy. I haven't watched the Flash in three seasons though, so uh, oh, I forgot. It's so good. It's so good. I love it. <laughs> that being said, I think that does wrap us up. Unless you, you got any final things you were thinking of? I can't think of anything. I've I've yammered no. enough today. We're an hour and forty five minutes into the recording. <laughs> we we done yammered. We done yammered. And that's even without our Willie. Oh, I do have one more thing. I listened to Dulce Sloan, who was a guest on All Fantasy Everything. I can't remember what draft they did, but it was funny as fuck. And she talked about the movie that they had done 
with uh, Fortune Feimster and Mullen Ackerman and motherfucking Alec Baldwin like a couple of months ago that finally got released on Amazon uh, Prime. It's called Chick Fight, and Dulce Sloan is fucking hilarious in it, and it's just a damn funny movie, and, and Mullen Ackerman beating up other chicks, like, you know, it's like watching the good parts of Watchmen again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, also, Alec Baldwin plays just a the world's greatest drunk in this movie, and he's really fucking good at it. So, nice. I mean... He's got experience. It's 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 a fun, enjoyable, like you know, not quite rom com, but like a nice, quick, ninety minute fun film. Like I would definitely go check it out. We watched that last night, and me and the girlfriend really enjoyed it. It was fun. That's pretty cool. On that note, though, I think we are going to shut things down. Friendly reminder: Willie will be back next week. We assume to give his review of Willie's Wonderland because that did come out on Friday. So I assume he has already purchased and may have already watched. We do know how excited he was for what looked to basically be five nights. But he also may have syphilis. We don't know. Oh. He never wraps it up. <laughs> oh. I don't want to cast aspersions upon our Willie. <laughs> I don't want to touch her. <laughs> so on that note, we are going to shut things down. We will be back next week. Don't forget, we stream this show live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central on Dot Live. Like I said earlier, if you have suggestions for the next unprotected advice segment with Willie Nelson, we're still a few weeks out. For Please send them to me on Twitter at the Chris Farrell or go to our Discord channel on the Gonna Geek Discord. Give those suggestions or links to where we might find good advice there. We have them forward. On that note, we're going to shut it down. You got any final thoughts, Bachman? Happy Valentine's Day. Don't waste your money on stupid flowers. They're just going to die. Get you something you'd actually like. Just buy candy tomorrow when it's half off. There you go. Candy That's tomorrow, Legos today. Yeah, candy tomorrow, half off. Go to the drugs. On that note, we're getting out of here, and we will see you all next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to this brand new episode of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. Don't forget, we'll be back next Sunday live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, over at live.atgnpodcast.com, channel three of the Alpha Geek radio app, and over to our network home at gunnageek.com slash live. If you have any feedback for the show, please contact us, atgnpodcast at gunnageek.com, on our hotline number at 304-806-ATGN, or even better, go to Twitter and send us a message at atgnpodcast. The music you've heard in this show is produced by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incompetech.com.